today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by The Open Word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. We ought to be people who just, man, throughout the day, just stop in the middle of the day and say, thank you, Lord. Just your greatness and your mercy and your might just overwhelms me. During the day, man, when everything else is, is going the pits, yeah, but God, I know that you reign in glory and your kingdom is under control and nothing's out of control. Have you ever thought that maybe you could do that yourself? You and I ought to be that way. We really ought to. I think we ought to say it out loud sometimes, even if people do think we're wacky. I think we ought to be glory-saying people. Do you ever get so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that you just have to tell Him? Maybe that's not really something that you've ever done before. Pastor David wants to encourage us to be glory-saying people. If we get into the habit throughout our days of giving God glory, then joy and peace will follow. Recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from above is a great habit to adopt. Knowing that we have nothing without the Lord is humbling, but it's a safe place to live our lives. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. All through this book that we're studying now, through the book of Revelation, we're going to hear over and over and over again these praises, these words of worship. We're going to hear them from the angels. We're going to hear them from the elders. We're going to hear them from the martyred saints. We're going to hear them from the multitudes, thousands upon thousands. We're going to hear them from all of creation, singing and declaring and testifying. In Revelation chapter 11, we're going to go through some of these real quick tonight, through again these these doxologies, these glory sayings. In Revelation 11, down in verse 16, says, And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces, and they worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and you reign. How cool is that? Down in chapter 14, in verse 2, John writes, he says, And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 444,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now that's going to be a special group with a special song, and we're going to have to sit back. And listen to that one and be blessed by it. We're not going to be able to join in, but those 144,000 that when we get there, we know that that's from every tribe of Israel that are saved, again, during the time of tribulation that are coming before the Lord. They're going to have a special song in their heart. And they're going to be able to declare that before the Lord. And we're just going to be able to sit back and just probably sing amen, amen, amen as they're, as they're singing it all. In Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. 
John writes that they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the, sa- of the saints. That's not of the New Orleans saints. That's O King of the, the saints, the believers. Okay. They didn't get that one, I guess, because the saints didn't win anything this year. So they bombed so early. So, In Revelation chapter 19, Revelation 19, verse, beginning of verse 5, we read, Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. These words come from hearts that are on fire for God. That that have a passion not only for God but for the things of God. From ones who, the things of this earth, they're, they're just not that important at all. And granted, in, in Revelation, they, they're already out of there. But even looking at the words of Paul and the words of, of Peter and, and of Jude, these are ones who, again, man, this stuff is just not all that much. The thing that I'm looking forward to, the thing that I'm excited about, is what God is doing. We declare these things because of our experience, the experience of the might and of the power of God that's that's working in our lives. That's why we, as believers, we ought to be glory-saying people. We ought to be people who just, man, throughout the day, just stop in the middle of the day and say, thank you, Lord. Just your greatness and your mercy and your might just overwhelms me. During the day, man, when everything else is is going, the pits. Yeah, but God, I know that you reign in glory and your kingdom is under control and nothing's out of control. Have you ever thought that maybe you could do that yourself? You and I ought to be that way. We really ought to. I think we ought to say it out loud sometimes. Even if people do think we're wacky. I think we ought to be glory-saying people. I believe that people need to see that we love the Lord. We love the Lord and we recognize his leadership and reign and rule over all of his creation. There was a hymn that was written, now this is an old one, it was like back in the late 1600s. And actually what we sing mostly of that hymn is actually just the chorus of, of a much longer uh, hymn but the chorus is, is very popular and has been popular in the church for years and years. And many churches, they sing that, that, this little chorus, this little song, nearly every Sunday. And for some, it just becomes, uh, you know, just, just singing words. But hopefully, for us as believers, it really is the truth. And you probably know the song, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Above you, heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. How many of you have been raised in a church that you would sing that most every Sunday? Most every. Wow, wow. So most of you guys know this song. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.
So you know what I'm going to ask you to do now, don't you? Let's, let's sing a glory saying to the Lord. And I don't want you singing it sitting down. I want you standing up, okay? And if I start you in the bad key, just pick out a key of your own. Because it's not, it's not to me you're singing it, okay? It's not to us you're singing it. This is to him who reigns, who rules. The one who is God on high. The one who is majesty and might. Who is glory forever. Whose mercy reigns. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. As John finished this short doxology here in Revelation chapter 1. It was in chapter 1 and verses, oh, the last part of 5 and verse 6 that he did that. And again, it's uh, or chapter, or verse 5 and verse 6 that he did that. And then we go on. And he goes on to speak about the reality of the Lord's soon coming at this point. And I think probably, very possibly, that could be actually an, an additional portion of that praise and that worship that he spoke there when he says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God and the and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen then he says in verse 7 he says behold he's coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him even so amen I think it's like second verse of his doxology right there because of, again, the anticipation, the excitement. I don't think that, that, that uh, you know, there's, there's any holding back. He can't wait for the Lord's soon return. And we see this in his writings. So first of all, we see in John's writings this expected anticipation for that soon return. John believed that. John declared that, and I believe that he lived his life in accordance with that, with that kind of an understanding that, you know what, God is coming at any moment, at any time. Nothing in this world is worth getting in the way of my being able to experience the fullness of that, or my being ashamed at his appearing. I want to be living my life to his glory in such a way that when he comes at any moment, at any hour, that again, it's like, wow, I'm ready. Where have you been? I'm ready. I'm ready. For you and I, if we're able, if we're able to long enough get our eyes off of the things of this world, onto the things of God, onto the things of his kingdom, I think we'd soon lose the attachment for these things. But the more, the more our mind is set on these things, the more we hold on to these things, the harder it is. To let go. My hope, my prayer for all of us is that we would lose this temporary illusion because that's what all this is. It's a temporary illusion. 
It'll, it'll all burn in a moment. It, it'll be gone. But what is eternal? Well, that lasts forever. That's why they call it eternal. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine John's experience in this? You understand again that he's writing this now after the fact. All of these events, everything that we're going to read in the book of Revelation, all 22 chapters, all of this has already taken place, and now he's just like overwhelmed as he's coming back. That's why he, I believe he breaks out in this doxology right in, right in the beginning of it. I believe that that's why he's with this anxiousness, this, this anticipation that's in his life. How could he be feeling, how could he be experiencing all of this and seeing, and still be able to contain himself. I, I don't know how. It's interesting here, as John makes his declarations about the Lord, that he's coming again, every eye is going to see him, even the ones that pierced him. It's interesting that he's speaking here about the second coming of the Lord, not about the rapture. Okay, Here he is actually speaking about the second coming of the Lord. Because at the rapture, not every eye is going to see him. Okay, we are suddenly just going to be gone, and I forget what teacher on Grace ninety one point one I was listening to today, but uh, I remember one of the guys talked about the fact that you know the 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 number of people that would suddenly be gone, and the deception that the evil one will already have placed on the eyes of unbelievers. They're not they're not it's it's not going to connect with them that the rapture has taken place. It's just not really going to happen. And again, we're fed already with tons of stuff about you know, UFOs and aliens and zombies and all this other stuff that's going on. Uh, all of these things that are happening that I think that the world that's not tuned in spiritually, it's just going to be, it had to be an alien invasion. It had to be. That's the only way that's going to explain it. But John is speaking here about the second coming of the Lord. Every eye is going to see him. Even those that pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of them or because of him. That's what we're going to see when we get deeper into Revelation, where again they're going to be crying out to uh, again that the rocks would fall on them. That, that again they're 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 not going to be excited because they know when he comes that's going to be judgment. That's going to be judgment. So uh, as we look in that, we'll go into more detail as we get into the study. Before getting into the heart of mess of the message that John writes here for us. He gives us some other words in verse 8. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now when you're reading this through, if you're just not, not going at the pace we're going in the study, but if you are reading this through, suddenly verse 8 seems kind of out of place. You've got this bit of a doxology thing going in verse 5, 6, and 7. And then all of a sudden in verse 9, he begins getting into the study, or, you know, to the depth of it. I, John, both your brother and companion, was on the island called Patmos. But here at verse 8, the Lord speaks. It's not John writing. It's not John saying, and I heard the Lord. No, it's just a, just a, a quote from the Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. And this sentence stuck right here before the next thought even comes into place. John does tell us that these are the words of the Lord. But the question is, as we look at these words, 
Are they the words of Jesus? Are they the words of God the Father? God the Father or God the Son? Who is this that's speaking here? How do we know? How can we know? Does it really matter at all who it is that's speaking? Well, there's a couple of earlier clues that we can look at to find out who is speaking here. Uh, through the use of the terms, as he uses here in verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that's uh, illustrating for us the eternality of, of God, the fact that there, there's nothing ever before me, there'll never ever be anything after me. I am Alpha, Omega. Alpha is the Greek letter A, Omega, uh, the Greek letter for, for the end of all things. Alpha, Omega, it's the mindset, the idea there. I am the beginning and the end, or yeah, the beginning and the end. Nothing else is before me. So again, this is the same kind of declaration that uh, was made to Moses, again, by the God of Israel, when God says, I am. I am. It's not that I was. I am the self-existent one. It's that kind of a concept, that kind of an idea. So it sounds like that could be Jehovah God, okay? Jehovah God Almighty. The second thing that I see, the very fact that up in verse 1, we realize that this message is actually coming from God the Father, given to God the Son, to be declared to the servants or the followers of the Son. And again, that would kind of lead us to believe that maybe verse 8 there is, again, the Father speaking. Then the third thing I look at, that we, again, comparing what's written here, we read the declarations that were given up in verses 4 and 5, where God the Father is speaking of that, grace to you and peace from who? From him who is, who was, and who is to come. And we look at that, and we're thinking as we pull them all together that that's God the Father, because the next one says, and from the seven spirits, God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And again, that whole idea of seven spirits, we'll get into that deeper on in the study. Don't let it stumble you. It primarily speaks about just the majesty and the, the encompassing work of the Holy Spirit. And then he speaks, and from Jesus Christ. So in verses 4 and 5, they're, they're speaking about all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The one mentioned in verse 4 was also the one that was described, who is, who was, who is to come. So we, again, believe that to be God the Father. And so we see this very same identifier idea here in verse 8. I'm Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Again, all of those added together to what I believe being that it is God Almighty, Jehovah God, that is speaking these things. So I think we can pretty well settle on that. The very first time that we read this descriptor of Almighty, the Almighty, which he speaks about here, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 17, in Genesis chapter 17, God, Jehovah God, speaks to a man by the name of Abram. Okay, you know who I'm speaking of. And as he's speaking to Abram, he tells him, he says, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And then God changed Abram's name, which meant high father, to become Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And then this almighty God 
he promises this 99-year-old man that his 90-year-old wife is going to have a son by him. How Hagar got into that mix, I don't know. Well, well, I do know, but we won't even go into that right now. But anyway, so Almighty God promises to this man well beyond childbearing to about his wife, well beyond childbearing, that you guys are going to have a child. From the first book of our Bible, Genesis, now all the way to the end, our God declares his authority, declares his power over all of his creation, even over the very words of his own book, Now, this is when it gets interesting for tonight, because we're going to go on a little journey tonight. I know we're in a study of Revelation. Bear with me, because I'm going to take you on a journey while we're here in Revelation. I'm waiting for the Lord to come back so I can take a little spin around here, okay? Hopefully, this little journey is going to be a reminder for you, and for for all of us, really. I, I hope that we're going to be able to see this thread that I'm going to try and weave through here. And I pray that it not only blesses you as we study it, but hopefully that it'll build your, build your confidence, it'll build your understanding of, of God, of his word, and the place that Jesus Christ has in all of God's kingdom. I want to take you on what I'm calling the Alpha Omega journey. Now, some of you have been on this journey with me in the past. It's been a few years since I've done this, so many of you haven't. The best thing that you can do right now is look in your Bible, go to the very, very back, and try and find a clean page. That's one way to do it. Or if you have a bulletin, yes, on the back of the bulletin, there's a place for notes. Because I'm going to give you a whole lot of scripture passages tonight. And one of the things that I personally did in my Bible, I started out with the first one, and next to that first one, I wrote the address of the next one. Okay, So I know that when I start this little study, I go to Isaiah 41, verse 4. Okay, That's where we're going to start. Isaiah 41, verse 4. Here in Isaiah 41, verse 4, we read these words. Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am he. When you're reading in the New Test- or in the Old Testament, when it speaks of the Lord, and in particular when it speaks of it in this context, who are they speaking about? You're my Wednesday night crowd. Can somebody give me the answer? Who are they speaking about? Jehovah God. Let's just bring it all the way to the max of who he is. I am Jehovah God, the God of Israel. He says, I am, and as a matter of fact, in the Hebrew, the, the word there that we transliterate or translate, Jehovah is actually there, but when they translated it, they didn't use that word. They wrote Lord in all capital letters. And you and I, as we learn these things, we realize that in the Hebrew, that was the Hebrew word for Jehovah. But because it was so holy, they would not pronounce it. They would use the Lord or blessed be his name. Okay? They would not pronounce or try to pronounce the word Jehovah because they held it in such high esteem. So when he says, I, the Lord, he says, I, Jehovah, am the first, and with the last, I am he. So again, speaking about the eternality of God. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from the open word. 
Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris. We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on the open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day, so why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.